Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am your host, Mark Shapiro. Delighted to have as my guest, Dr. Danielle Schur. Dr. Schur is the current president of the Society of Hospital Medicine, and she is also a practicing hospitalist. She took office as president of SHM at right around the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, and she has skillfully and thoughtfully navigated SHM and its greater than 20,000 members around the world through the first phase of the pandemic. And that's really what we get into in this conversation. It's an extraordinary challenge for all of our medical societies, uh, just like any other major organization. SHM had to cancel its annual meeting in April, just like all of the other medical conferences and all of the other conferences and gatherings were canceled nationwide in the United States. What really came out of this conversation, and I think you'll hear a lot of the same thing, is a steady hand and a calm demeanor. And she even says, and it's the quote that I pulled at the top, she said, these type of shifts don't scare me. And and that was just kind of what I needed to hear. It's it's good to know when there's a steady hand at the wheel, it's it's empowering and it fills that void that I think many of us feel that that need for a steady leadership hand. And Danielle really demonstrates that both in her actions helping to guide SHM. And I really enjoyed hearing her thoughts on this in this conversation as well. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. Before we get to the conversation, definitely check out Explore the Space podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to download your shows. Definitely subscribe. And please do leave us a rating and a review that really helps the show out. You can find me on social media. I'm very active on Twitter at ETS show and very active on Instagram at explore the space show. And you can email me mark at explore the space show.com. Definitely take a look at the archive for explore the space as well. You can find it at www.explore the space show.com. We've been doing really, really interesting content over the past few months around COVID, but also lots of other things that engage the mind and help us continue doing the work that we want to do. We want to continue to get better, but we also want to make sure we're taking care of ourselves, our families, our communities in the right way. And I'm really happy with the content that we're creating here and the the continued growth of the Explore the Space community. This conversation with Danielle fits in nicely in that ecosystem, and it was an absolute treat to speak with her. I think you're going to really enjoy listening to her. So without further ado, Dr. Danielle Schur. Danielle, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's exciting for me. I've been a member of the Society of Hospital Medicine for a Gosh, I think I joined when I was still in residency and to have the president of a major medical society on, it's a first and this is very cool. So thanks for taking time. Yeah. Being the president of Society of Hospital Medicine, let's just set some some background. We're talking about a part of the practice of medicine that's grown faster than any other part. You've been doing it for a long time. You've watched that explosive growth. 
as you were kind of rising in the profession and figuring out kind of what what course you want your career to take, how did you kind of track to to this role to to becoming the president of the Society of Hospital Medicine? Yeah, it's a good question. I, too, have been involved in SHM in some shape, form, fashion, going back almost 20 years, which is hard to believe. Um, But same story right around the time I graduated from my residency program. Obviously, my first job was as an adult hospitalist. You know, there's a lot that you don't learn in um, in residency training. And when you get out in the real world, you want to network and have a better understanding of how other people are running their practices, both from a clinical perspective and non-clinical perspective. And so I got involved um, very, very early on um, in SHM, primarily for just information um, and networking. You know, this was at a time when so... My first job in Charleston, South Carolina, was with a um, small community hospital who was just starting the, you know, the um, state's first hospital medicine program. And so we were, we literally felt like we were creating our, our, our own rule book as we were going. And so our small team of three people um, running a 24-7 service at two hospitals seven days a week, all three of us very early on um, looked to um, SHM, you know, as sort of our, you know, guider and advisor on, you know, how to run a program. Um, And so that's really where I got involved and, you know, really just you know, for lack of a better word, just kind of fell in love with the organization. It's, you know, as, as we all know, it's, you know, it's well run. It's got incredible leaders um, throughout the course of decades and has always been very forward thinking, not just as a typical, you know, professional society, which I think the mission there is to, you know, look after their cohort of physicians, um, but really more as a shaper of the landscape of the healthcare industry. So being very forward thinking, you know, looking on the horizon um, as it relates to healthcare in general, not just for hospital medicine, um, but for the industry um, as a whole, and really, you know, figuring out where how can we help shape the landscape, not just protect our own domain? So that's what I've really always enjoyed most about um, SHM and what excites me about leading an organization like SHM um, is not just to, you know, protect our turf, you know, as a professional society, but really outline and help define where the industry should be going and how we can, you know, play a major part in that. There's a couple things that really popped out that I think frame the rest of probably your time as president and the leadership that you're going to be doing and that we're going to be looking to you for. I, I, the idea that you started this small group and had to, without a playbook, as you said, and had to look to Society of Hospital Medicine to try to gather some guidance and some insight. If we fast forward ahead, the role reversal now, where we sit in the midst of a pandemic and leading a major society with the vast majority of its five figure strong membership at the front lines of healthcare, everyone now looking to society of hospital medicine again, saying there's no playbook for this. 
we're in the midst of it, and this is going to define the next few years at least, if not the rest of our careers. Yeah. Have you have you found that? Have you seen that sort of circling back? Have you kind of thought to yourself, this is this is actually quite remarkable that this is the place that I now find myself. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I I feel like in life in general, and certainly in careers, all things happen for a reason, you just have to seek it out. And I think, you know, I, I try to be very purposeful in the way I lead and um, grow from the perspective of agility. And that's one of the things I sort of pride myself on um, is my ability to um, pivot to new challenges, not get bogged down in the old ways and to try to, you know, find the silver linings in, in all things. And you sort of can't help but or I sort of can't help but sort of be amazed at the timing of all (laughs) the timing of all this as it relates to, you know, we're switching um, CEOs. Uh, We obviously had to cancel our biggest event, our annual meeting, which has never happened in the history of SHM. And is one of our biggest um, revenue generators. We're rethinking our entire platform of how do we add value to the lives of hospitalists in the COVID era and the post-COVID era. Um, and, you know, just coming into a, a presidency that literally started two weeks ago. So I, I think the good news for me and for SHM is that I, I do consider myself a change agent and, again, always look you know, forward to the silver linings and shifting priorities and trying to figure out what, you know, where our next best angle is and just being um, constantly focused on, you know, what value do we add to our members every minute, every hour, every day, every quarter, every year, because if we are not adding value um, there, you know, our existence is superfluous. And I think what COVID has brought out, which was super interesting is that our members instantly looked toward SHM again to be a convener and a provider of um, information and resources again in this you know incredibly dynamic and confusing um, state of affairs. So we saw within you know days of the you know first cases in Seattle, um, we had hospitalists reaching out to SHM saying. We're seeing some very worrisome trends. We have, you know, hospitalized patients that appear to have COVID. We need to get the word out. We're finding care pathways that do work and that don't work. And we need to get the word out because it's not going to, we know it's not going to stay in Seattle. And again, they, what's very exciting is that, you know, those hospitalists in those, you know, very early hotspots looked to hospital medicine um, and our professional society to be the convener and distributor of information, whether it was a leadership blog, our website, through our SIGs, chapters, publications, um, et cetera, to try to get the word out um, early and often in this you know, very dynamic landscape. So I do think the COVID experience has, I guess, reinforced 
the role of SHM in the daily lives of hospitalists is that it is, that's exactly what it's supposed to be, is a convener and a distributor of uh, information that makes us better doctors um, on behalf of our patients. And I think we have unquestionably seen that play out in COVID. I think you're right. And I think that SHM has done an excellent job of being forward facing and of being not just a place where information is being distributed, but also taking information on board and using it in ways and delivering it in ways that may be kind of novel, whether it's through, you know, hashtag JHM chat, the journal of hospital medicine, Twitter chat, or using other elements of social media or zoom chats or all of these other things. I think that that's all good and right. How big of a pivot was that for you as a leader? I, I love that you mentioned the word agility in your skill set because that comes up on this podcast all the time about how just the, the, the ability to maintain agility and the ability to move quickly is, is so vital. Now, how big of a part of your day-to-day work is that with respect to what's coming through your inbox? What are you seeing on Twitter? What phone calls are you getting? What are you seeing when you're working clinically? What is that? sense of movement feel like? You know, in some ways it is invigorating, you know, you, as, as we're all experiencing, you know, the volume and rapidity of information that's coming at us that we have to be able to absorb and react to is probably a scale that most of us have never experienced. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's safe to say. <laughs> And I think the biggest challenge um, for all of us is communication, right? It's like, how do you, I mean, even within our own teams, you know, in our local hospital medicine teams um, and hospitals, ensuring that, um, you know, everyone has the most relevant information that, you know, the old adage is, you know, if you, if you really want to communicate well, you're going to have to do it, you know, seven times in seven ways. And until you've done that, assume that most people haven't heard what you need to communicate. Cause I think some, sometimes people get kind of downtrodden about the communication. They're like, well, I said it, you know, or I emailed them or it's on the website. I've always tried to, you know, be very patient and, you know, empathetic with care team members because they're head down, pencils up and, you know, trying to get their work done. But I think the the old adage has never been more true with the rapidity of information change and the need to ensure that you're communicating things seven times in seven different ways. And until you've done that, it, it don't don't expect everyone to get the memo. Uh, and, and again, back to SHM, I think that's, uh, you know, we if we've learned nothing else from our members, it's that, you know, e- everyone has different needs um, and people communicate and like to receive and give information in different ways. And so we've tried to, you know, have a very diverse portfolio from a communication perspective, um, many of which, you know, you rattled off some people really need um, and want face-to-face meetings, whether it's local chapter meetings or um, leadership academy or a lot of the joint meetings we do with American Association of Pediatrics, for example. Some people would rather read a blog. Some people would rather just seek information on a website. Some need interactive platforms. Some would rather um, get it through social media or, like you said, a JHM chat room. Some like traditional publications. We've 
also been offering more and more um, podcasts and webinars for the audio and visual learner, et cetera. So we try to really create and maintain a very diverse portfolio of, you know, curated content for the broad 20,000 members that we have. And frankly, and it's never enough. It'll never be enough. And that's okay. We just have to keep trying a bazillion different things and experimenting um, and seeing what sticks and deeply listening um, to our members for what is working for them and what is or is not adding value. It's interesting to hear this reflection because you know I was I was looking forward to hearing your president's address at the annual meeting and you mentioned it got canceled and what I'm hearing now in terms of the things that you're doing and the things that you're focusing on it feels like, and I'm interested to hear your perspective on this, that your strategic vision as president of this large organization changed overnight, just like everything else changed almost overnight, where now the focus is really on fundamentals. It's communication, it's checking in on your teams, it's making sure people feel acknowledged and taken care of. It's it's basics. It's basics of organization. It's basics of leadership. It's not as much lofty stuff, although the basics can also be lofty as well. But it seems like it's really just pressing reset and making sure that everyone knows that they have a resource, knows that they've got an ally, knows that they have a place to go to to learn and ask questions. Am I picking up on that right? Because it really feels like SHM is positioning itself to lead, but to lead not way up in the clouds, but really to lead in a shoulder to shoulder manner. I totally agree. And actually, even, you know, pre-COVID, when I was thinking about, you know, my presidency and what, you know, where are my core competencies and strengths and how can I leverage those to make SHM a better organization? You know, a lot of what my thought around that was is is this sort of concept of, um, and it sounds kind of corny and generic, but the 20,000 Lives campaign. You know, we talk about, you know, the IHI 100,000 Lives campaign, but for SHM, you know, we have we have never taken it for granted, but we have year over year over year over year for two decades have had sustained growth in membership. Now, that was not by accident. That was all very um, purposeful and um, driven by the leaders um, and staff at SHM. And all those numbers are hard earned. But the question, you know, again, in this incredible inflection year, even pre-COVID, which was, you know, we it's 2020, we've been around about 20 years, we now have 20,000 members. Again, we're um, switching from our first and only CEO to a new CEO. So lots of inflection points, you know, my the way I saw my role as president is to really look in the mirror and say, you know, who are we? What do we what what value do we add um, and what crevices have we not docked into that is going to ensure that, again, our you know membership continues to grow so that we can and should continue to have a positive impact on the care of hospitalized patient, which, you know, is ultimately our mission. While we brag a little bit about our membership numbers, um, you know, that's probably about a third of hospitalists. I mean, we still have a huge canvas of hospitalists having an incredible impact on um, the industry, on individual hospitals, on patient and family lives um, that we have 
no influence um, in their daily life likely um, whatsoever. So we still have a lot of work to do to get uh, again into every you know nook and cranny um, in the canvas of things that we call hospital medicine. So that's that's really what my goal in going into the presidency year is deeply understand only you know for the twenty thousand you know that we've captured and we feel like we have high engagement with like you know to make sure that we you know, retain that and understand deeply what matters to them, but also really get into the, you know, where are the other 40,000 and where, where are they going for, who is their convener and distributor of, you know, content information to help them be better hospitalists. Are Um, there things that you're having to do now though, that while you were shaping that vision, that now you're having to say that's still important and we are doing it, but there are other items of particular priority that we absolutely must address now that we're in the teeth of a pandemic. Have any of those sorts of things surfaced for you? Well, yes and no. I think they just got accelerated. So it was a lot of what we're really hyper focused on are things that we were, you know, already thinking on and had been on the docket um, for change, um, but this is essentially just accelerated. So, for example, completely. Gotta have the example. Shifting. I was gonna say, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, completely gotta have the example. Shifting from live meetings to virtual meetings. Yeah. Um, again, you know, our annual meeting is sort of you know the pinnacle event. A lot of people look forward to it. We have a you know hundreds um, of thousands of people who we, who are engaged in that meeting, either as presenters or in the you know abstract presentations, plenaries, etc. When you realize not only did our annual meeting um, get canceled, we're obviously trying to repurpose a lot of that content into other modalities. You know, again, such as you know webinars or curated website content. But then you sort of look forward to our, you know, typical fall lineup and you start realizing that we probably are still going to be socially distancing and have some degree of travel restrictions. And what, what we used to call a live meeting um, has to, you have to rethink the whole, you got to, again, get back to basics and say, okay, well, let's just start from scratch. Why do we have the meeting? What What is the purpose of the meeting? Who is the, you know, core audience for the meeting? What are they, what are we, you know, trying to impart, you know, during that meeting and what are our options um, as far as meeting the goals, not in a live session. So we, we have really, you know, honestly had to rethink our entire book of business. I mean, a lot, a lot of what we do well involves face-to-face um, live meetings that require travel. Even our board meetings, those are, you know, 12 of us cramming in a room for two days. And that's just not feasible anymore. So, you know, our first, you know, board meeting of the, you know, the new presidency we did by Zoom, which was fine. <laughs> it yeah, turns out. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk um, about how all these changes and it's like, I like to sort of frame it as the tectonic plates of our profession are shifting. And I think a lot of these things were never going to go back to but we also have to identify the ones that as the plates are shifting, that they have to shift in the right direction. And I say that because one of the things that for me, at least with SHM has always been a strength and I think reflect why it's a great specialty and why it, it's a great organization. And I'm glad to be part of it. We're incredibly diverse. We have people from all over the world in our membership ranks. We, we, 
elevate people. We have leadership academies that grow leaders across every demographic. And I think that's really a strength of ours. One of the things that for me as a physician and as a leader and as also a member of SHM is seeing emerging data on what the pandemic is doing and puts at risk in terms of progress of underrepresented minorities and women in terms of progressing in their careers and maintaining their progress, but also growing the the things that are being put at risk there. And there've been a couple of talks that I've heard on this that for me at least are profoundly alarming that this can be something that pulls back so much progress, particularly progress that SHM has been made. How can a society intervene to stop things like that, right? The the pandemic is causing these wide ripple effects. It's causing all of these changes. How can we be agile, both leadership of SHM, but also the membership of a society like SHM to identify something like this and and arrest it and, and maybe even turn it into an opportunity to forward that progress? Yeah, and I, and I agree. As I think, as a professional society, as well as obviously the the actual profession of hospital medicine, we are an incredibly um, diverse group of practitioners um, that, just like you said, you know, represent backgrounds of incredible. Uh, diversity, up to and including, you know, some of our numbers um, that I think are really interesting when you look at what types of hospitalists are accessing our content for publications and website. When we look at that hit rate and click rates for a lot of our content, the fastest growing segment of hospitalists visiting those sites are not in the U.S., We do already have an international draw. And again, I think something like COVID, an interesting way, brings the world a lot closer together because obviously there's no corner of the earth that has been untouched. Um, And the many of the issues, while all of our societal norms are a little bit different and how we're dealing with COVID, you know, a lot from a medical perspective, the care of the COVID patient um, is really pretty similar across the globe. So I do think in some ways that has been a very, you know, ironically uh, unifying um, condition um, for hospital medicine as it relates to an international community. And SHM is as such, you know, as a professional um, society that represents hospitalists um, has always been a very uh, diverse organization um, and has tried to be very purposeful about um, diversity in its staff composition, um, its leadership composition, you know, to make sure that we're you know, representing, you know, the thoughts, ideas of those that we serve. So I do think it has been a, a welcoming, you know, home to hospitalists, just, you know, regardless of, you know, um, background. Hopefully that will continue to be a, a core belief of the society uh, and support um, diverse uh, and diversity hospital medicine, again, within our membership uh, and leadership team. As you've moved through these first few months and you're thinking about all of these in parallel granular, but also vitally important strategic issues, what are the other things that are coming in your direction? What are the common questions? What are the common email headers? What are the common topics that people are sending to you as the president of SHM? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, in the recent past, a lot of it has been um, focused uh, around COVID. I think, you know, as we emerge into this new normal, I think a lot of it is going to be, again, how do we, as a professional society, how do we, what what does this new normal look like in supporting hospitals, hospitalists, and our patients and families in, in a way that adds value to their daily life? And how we can and should, you know, stay relevant to the daily lives of hospitalists in this very strange era where, again, much of our engagement strategies have been around, um, you know, face-to-face meetings and such. So we have to really rethink how do we get entrenched in the daily life of hospitalists in other ways and constantly evaluate and reevaluate how we're adding value to their daily lives. And again, you know, getting at that black hole of there's 40,000 hospitals out there that currently don't subscribe as a member. The question is, you know, why not? And uh, how do we um, get them engaged in novel ways, even if it's not, you know, signing the dotted line on a membership for a year? um, How do we get them engaged in a way and add value to their lives? you know, even, you know, with or without a a membership card. And so what's something that you want to try to affect that? Well, I will say one thing that we have done that seems to be very successful is um, to put an incredible amount of strategic thinking and energy into our local chapters. Ten-ish years ago, um, that was not um, one of our strengths that we, you know, we had local chapters and they were fine. Um, But I would say in the last uh, three to five years, we've put an incredible amount of resources and energy into revitalizing our chapter program. What we found is that obviously it's much easier for people to get engaged at a local level. um, And we found that it really uh, invigorates our pipeline um, for hospital medicine. From the perspective of, you know, there's a a substantial portion of people that are attending local chapter meetings um, that are uh, students or residents. Um, So presumably, you know, as we get them excited about hospital medicine and and they're coming to um, talks and live meetings around topics that are relevant to hospitalists, that they'll also get, you know, lit with the um, energy and enthusiasm of being a hospitalist and that should help us with our pipeline. What we've also found is that members that are engaged in a local chapter um, are much more likely to um, stick with hospital medicine for the long term. Um, And it's also a really nice pathway for leadership um, that we've also found that local chapter leaders again, tend to be very very engaged in the at the national level and tend to take on more and more and more leadership roles. Um, so it does, it also tends to be a nice kind of career ladder for those. So I think the more we can, you know, obviously maintain some core central structure for what we call SHM and we'll have a headquarters in Philly, et cetera. Um, but I think the real energy um, is going to be, more of a hub and spoke model where we really put um, a lot of leadership development time and energy into um, a decentralized engagement um, strategy, which is primarily but exclusively through the chapters. 
that seems like it makes a lot of sense and it fits with what we're doing in so many ways now anyway and obviously making sure people know that when they're seeing this that this is the the hub of information you can come there and you can learn and engage not just around COVID-19 but also around all the things you mentioned career building and mentorship and leadership skills and and all of those sorts of things and I think that that's all really resonant because at any point in your career, those are skills that are fundamental and they're always good to either learn, relearn, sharpen, get better at, or teach if it's something that you're that you're good at as well. What do you see the role of social media in terms of furthering those goals, in terms of bringing in the, the other 40,000 hospitalists, sharing the information, kind of meeting those desires that you've laid out? Yeah, obviously, you know, our um, social media strategy and growth has, you know, paralleled uh, all the national trends. Um, So our Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, Twitter followers uh, has increased over time. You know, I think three to five years ago, again, it used to be sort of more a, you know, core, a core small group of, you know, innovators and changers. Um, But now it's obviously social media has become so mainstream, um, that that is, again, getting back to the seven ways and uh, seven times, that is a fundamental communication and convening strategy that really any professional society and SHM included has to really understand how to engage via social media platforms, um, or they're going to lose their entire, you know, uh, next generation of hospitalists. So that, um, you know, we have an entire marketing and communication team at SHM that literally thinks all day long about how to engage hospitalists and kind of get them where they're at um, in all these different modalities, social media included. The social media part for me has been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm active on social media and the Twitter chats in particular are wonderful and seeing the society engaging and doing what you just said, right? Kind of getting to people where they live. It's the right way to go. You know, people are spending yeah. more and more time there. If, if SHM can be a presence there, that's, that's even more powerful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be an extraordinary stretch for all of us, obviously. And I don't mean this as a platitude, but the question that I have is, uh, have you had the opportunity to look far enough past you know, your inbox and your ringing phone and your rounds for the day and your home life to say, I'd like to see this in six months. I'd like to see this in 12 months. I, I, honestly, I'm barely able to do that. But I'm wondering if you have had the opportunity to look a little bit beyond the horizon to see about some milestones that you'd like to see happen. One thing that we've had some early conversations um, at the board level about is to really think deeply about how to, again, diversify our entire portfolio, both on, you know, even just sort of the brass tacks of, you know, how do you, as a professional society, you know, we're a non-for-profit. We don't, you know, we don't have shareholders. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to have a big coffer of cash, but we have to, you know, cover the cost of running the organization. And in the old days, it was pretty simple balance sheet of, you know, you have meetings and you, you know, collect membership dues and that was fine. That's not going to work anymore. Um, so the question is, you know, how do you, what are your revenue streams? 
and how diverse are they and how resilient are they to disruptions, whether it's COVID or an earthquake, or you can imagine all sorts of, you know, national or international disruptions that could, you know, be on the size or scale or just a second wave of COVID. So I think that's one of our biggest questions right now. And what I'd like to see is, you know, more specific um, and tangible tactics around that is, Again, how do we diversify um, our revenue streams? Again, not not to make money per se, um, but certainly to, again, add value, maintain relevance um, and ensure our long term sustainability as an organization. So that's that's probably the biggest, you know, six month or I would say even three month milestone is to really think um, very deeply about that question. We have to be practical, right? Because everything has changed and we have to we have to continue to operate and if the normal ways that allowed us to do that are evolving then we have to evolve right along with them and we can't we can't do the work that we aspire to do if we can't do the work that we have to do so i i think that making sure again just looking out for those fundamentals it's 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 a good approach for sure and it's it's not that much different than what we're all experiencing in our home institutions, you know, where ED volumes are down and the OR is empty. And are we really going to get back to, you know, what what is the new normal? Is the ED really going to fill up by June or is this a good thing that people are not maybe unnecessarily coming to the ED? I mean, we certainly want them to come for strokes and heart attacks. There's no question about that. But, you know, having lower ED volumes, if if that is just the way things are going to be, then we have to adapt to that. We're, yeah, we'll have the, to downsize our ED and, you know, ramp up urgent care. And um, certainly the whole shift to telehealth has been absolutely fascinating. Again, yeah, yep. all that would have happened in due time. But, you know, we had a, you know, two year ambulatory telehealth strategy that we implemented in about two days. <laughs> right. Right. No. And it, it just speaks right. Because <laughs> like, we had to. That's right. And and it's like no, you said at the beginning, right? We just all have to be agile. We just all have to yeah. be we just all have to be ready to move and, and to shift. So as this is all happening, you've spoken about how outreach is important and bringing people on board is important. How do people find Society of Hospital Medicine? How do they find these platforms? How do they find these tools? pretty good start is our website. We do try to, you know, keep everything updated on there and make it easy, you know, and mobile optimized. Um, so it doesn't matter which, so it's very device agnostic and you can, you know, really find most of our um, resources, hopefully in a bit of a one-stop shop, um, you know, with, you know, branches out to other um, communication modalities. Um, but we do try to keep it all at least housed um, in the website is probably the best one-stop shop. And we'll have links to that on the website as well. And obviously all of the social media handles that I'm enjoying and I know so many others are enjoying. This was really, really interesting. And I'm grateful to you for taking the time. (laughs) You became president of a major society at the intersection of something that's going to change and is already changing everything. And that is an extraordinary challenge. So I'm glad that you're at the helm and I'm glad that you're going to continue to keep doing this work because it's, it's not a, it's a formidable challenge for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I'm not um, th- these, you know, types of shifts don't scare me. I, I would say they worry me, but they don't scare me. I I like change in many ways. I think it stimulates people to do things that they thought they weren't capable um, of doing. And again, we've already demonstrated 
that um, as a professional society and certainly as individual hospitals and individual hospitalists, we've already demonstrated our ability to dramatically shift into new ways of practice. So again, I think everything happens for a reason. I, I think it's good timing for me and SHM and I look forward to trying to be an intelligent, you know, strategic thinker about where where we uh, maintain value and relevance for hospitalists of the future. It's an important vision, and I'm grateful to you for coming on the show and, and talking with us about it. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.